The Apartment Rebellion will not be televised. Resident experience will be more than a buzzword. Staff experience will finally matter. It's happening right now. It's in the hands of the doers, the innovators, the boundary pushers, who are moving the industry forward, just like the people on this show. This is the Apartment Rebels podcast, hosted by Flamingo CEO Jude Chi. Welcome, friends of the rebellion, and may the force be with you. Awesome. So on today's uh, podcast of the Flamingo Resident Experience and Engagement Podcast, uh, we have Amy Mark from Embry. Uh, So um, uh, Amy is a regional manager. uh, So she has been in the industry uh, for almost, I think I I saw your LinkedIn, it's almost like 10 years, correct? It's actually almost closer to 16. So I've been managing for a little over 10 and then actually more than that. And then on site as leasing assistant and so forth from there. Yeah, so you're definitely an industry veteran. So a lot to really uh, get input from. So we're going to get into the intro more from Amy. But why I wanted to bring her on the podcast is because everyone talks about resident experience. It's kind of the go-to right now. But I personally believe staff experience is just as important, if actually not more important. Um, It's always like what comes first, the chicken or the egg. So you cannot have great resident experience if you don't have amazing staff experience. So I think that's one thing that we don't really talk uh, talk about as much. So I wanted to really center this podcast around staff experience. So what it, what it is, what should it be, what's working, what isn't working, and then really how it's done at Embry. So welcome, Amy. We'd love for you to kind of give the audience uh, overview about you and kind of your history in property management. Sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me. So um, as I mentioned, I've been doing this for a little over 16 years now. So I have worked in multiple markets everywhere from Kansas City to Chicago, Denver, Phoenix, um, and for a variety of different company sizes. I think um, my, my experience started when I was a leasing agent on site. I happened to walk in, had the right personality, very outgoing, can talk to anybody. And then just found this industry that I truly did not know exists only because I wanted the apartment discount. So as the years went on, on, I stayed in it. I found that I really enjoyed kind of the management side. I get to do a different thing every day. And I've just grown from there um, through various companies. So I've been with Embry for a little over a year now. And I actually started with them right at the beginning of COVID. So to say it has been an interesting experience, uh, to say the least. So I've like yet to like meet someone uh, that growing up or in high school or in college was like, yep, I definitely want to be in property management. I don't think I've met anyone that has ever said that. Everyone is like, yeah, I kind of walk in or someone saw me talking and they're like, oh, you have a nice voice. Oh, you are very personable. So we think you should be in property management. So it kind of sounds like it was the same for you. We do. We all stumble into the industry. I have no idea what property management was about. I literally just knew that I did not want to live at home with my parents when I was 19. And so I started flipping through For Rent Magazine, actually. And I was calling every single apartment complex. Are you hiring? Are you hiring? And then eventually one stuck. Wow, that's awesome. (laughs) So and then you said you started off as a leasing agent. And then uh, kind of like where did you go from there? And what were some of the lessons that you learned as a leasing agent? 
Yeah. I mean, with leasing, um, I mean, I started off when we were still doing, you know, paper guest cards and you only had maybe six floor plans outside of the 25 you might have now. Um, everything was very face to face. You were at the desk. You didn't have a lot of technology. Um, mm -hmm. It really was just about the customer interaction. Took the apartment, came back. And then um, what's funny is actually my first property I worked at sold within four months no. of me starting there. And so I went through my first sale pretty quickly. Um, <laughs> which was not my favorite, ended up moving from that job to a different one. Um, there was a roving leasing agent for some downtown properties and then eventually um, got into an assistant manager role. And then that's where I really kind of, that's where I figured out this is the industry I wanted to be in. In the beginning, it was fun. I was able to do it when I was, um, you know, going to school full time. I was still in college. Um, it was an easy schedule. I had to work weekends, but we didn't start early. So it was great. I could go out at night and the next day at 10 a.m. or 1 p.m. Um, and then once I got to the assistant manager role, that's when you start having more of the interactions with the residents. That's when you mm -hmm. start having about the concerns, the you know, the pros, the cons, everything that's going on yes. during the lease, not just the sales. Um, and then from there, obviously, I went into a community manager role, actually at the same property I was an assistant manager on. So I was mm -hmm. lucky enough to work for someone who kind of groomed me into taking over that position for her once she left. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I really, I enjoy the admin side of it because I do like being, being kind of desk. I like seeing the numbers and the stats and watching things grow and change over time, but I could not do that piece without the interaction with the residents, with my team. Um, I'm very independent, but man, if you get me alone too long, the second you put me in front of somebody, I cannot stop talking. So I thrive in a team environment. Nice. Yeah, what I love about your background is you've really kind of touched on all the different parts of like property management. Of property management, you've went from like leasing to the assistant to community management, and then now at a regional level. Mm -hmm. So when you kind of think about your career, like what are some of those like key things that you think were most helpful in getting you to where you are today? And what would you kind of advise? someone that's just either starting or still at the site level that is looking to move into more of a corporate or regional role? Sure. Um, I think, you know, there's a lot to be said about tenure, about being with the same company for a very long period of time. I mean, I know with many companies I've worked with, you have people that have been there since the company existed. They may have been mm -hmm. one of the first that were there. Um, my story is very different than that. I actually jumped around quite a bit, not only because I relocated a couple times um, by my own choice, but also because I was trying to find the right fit with the right company. So yeah. I have worked for your huge companies, um, the Gray Stars, Sentinels. Um, I've worked for your small companies that are family owned. And what I have found is I really thrive in the environment that is the mid-range, that is small enough to where you know everyone's name that you work with, you know their yeah. face, you know what they, what you know um, interactions you're going to have with them, and sense of how they support your role, how you support theirs. Mm -hmm. And so my advice to anyone getting in this industry is that you know the first place you land may not be the place you end up, and realistically it shouldn't be unless it ended up being. A perfect fit, which I don't think is the norm. I think it's yeah. important to get different exposure and be in different environments and, and really learn what makes you stronger at what you do. Um, and that's what I found. I found that at a large companies, there wasn't enough for me. There could have been a lot of growth, but there wasn't enough one-on-one um, -on -one interaction or ability to shine on my own free will. And that's something that's very important to me. So yeah. actually until, until I moved to Denver, um, I had never been in a market where I had a local regional who was my boss. 
Um, my bosses were always in different cities. So I yeah. was very anonymous, um, which I loved. It forced me to reach out when I needed help. And it, you know, it forced me to get out of my comfort zone. And so once I got to a place where I was local and I have properties here that I take care of, mm-hmm. or I had a boss that was local to me, um, it became a very different experience. But I wouldn't trade that autonomy that I have for the world because I think it helps me um, build stronger teams myself because I want them to be just as independent. I want them to have yeah. that trust in themselves. Yeah. So then kind of looking at your experience, uh, what are some of those like key things I think everyone has to kind of get through to get to a regional level, whether it's learning how to create a budget, whether it's learning how to do X or Y, what are some of those things you think are like super critical? You know, um, I always, you know, we always say you can, you can teach any skill that's out there, but you cannot teach the attitude. Um, you really have to be the kind of person that is open to learning new things, um, but that already comes in with that openness. Um, you can't come in assuming that, you know, everything there is to know about it. Um, Mm -hmm. even in my roles at regional, I've been doing in this position, um, or title will say about three years now, Mm -hmm. I still learn every day. I still have people I reach out to to ask questions. And so I think it's really important um, to come in with an open mind and be very willing to learn um, and understand that regardless of how many years you're bringing to the table, you do not have all the answers. Um, And then as far as the skills go, um, I think it's, it's looking at things big picture. I think you can't just, you can't keep things in the silos that they're in. It can't just be, I'm just in sales. I just lease apartments. I'm just the assistant manager. I just collect rent. You have to know how each of those factor into each other. Um, so one piece of um, advice or I guess training I always give my team is, um, and to the point of customer experience and employee experience is, um, every appointment that you have is important. An appointment does not just need to be a tour to lease an apartment. The appointment that's in your calendar and really working your schedule needs to be things that benefit the whole life cycle. So mm-hmm. it could be that you already toured this person, but they're moving in tomorrow and you haven't prepared anything for them. You need yeah. that time set aside to get everything right. You can't go take another tour because then you're making that person moving in tomorrow and not mm-hmm. as important as a person that might be touring today. And so, you know, I think the biggest thing is we have, we have to understand the entire life cycle of the environment that we're in and how one feeds into the next in order for us to be successful. Yeah, and all of that just kind of runs into the whole resident experience. So when you, for you, when you think about that resident experience, like what does that mean? And how it does only think about resident experience and that whole like life cycle? Yeah, I mean, the resident experience, the life cycle itself is, is pretty simple. You know, obviously it's the moment they discover that we exist, it's coming mm-hmm. in or going, you know, during a virtual tour, it's, it's finding out that, okay, this is where they want to call home. Mm-hmm. And then once they make that decision, um, they trust us. They trust us to take care of them and make sure that everything's going to be good once they move in and for the duration of their lease. And even once they move out, because they're still going to talk about us, they're still going to talk yeah. about that one apartment they lived in, how great it was or how terrible it was, you know? And so yeah. we have to, we have to be available for that entire customer experience. And, you know, that doesn't mean that we're giving them every single thing they want, but it does mm-hmm. mean that we understand the commitment that we're making to them and that they understand the commitment that they're making to us. Because at the end of the day, while we are their home, we are also still a business and we yeah. have to be successful in that business. We have to have team members that want to be a part of that business um, in order to serve them. Um, and so you really have to make sure that there's a clear understanding of what that obligation is to each other. Mm-hmm. 
So then that always presents a challenge when you are trying to provide a really good customer service, but there's like a limit to it. So you have to balance the customer experience, but also keeping in mind that, yeah, this is a business that has like certain objectives and criteria. So how do you differentiate or how do you manage that? What do you recommend site teams or regionals or anyone really do to kind of have that segmentation of, hey, we can do this or we can't do this and here are the reasons why. So how do you really balance customer experience with those like business objectives? Sure. So I think the most important piece is that we have to understand what that commitment is that we're bringing. We have to be very well versed in that, um, in the understanding of what our lease states, um, what we're able to offer, what we're not able to offer. Um, because if we don't have that information readily available, if questions come up, if a resident disagrees with us, or if um, you know they have questions, then we're not we're not trained to be a part of that conversation, and we need. If we're providing bad info, if we're exaggerating, if we're downplaying what we're able to do, if we're just trying to people please, that conversation can never go well. And so I think it's really important that when we're training our on-site teams that, you know, we're training them in um, the requirements of their position. We're setting a very clear expectation of what we want them to deliver on. But at the same time, we're also setting a very clear expectation of what we won't tolerate. And so I think this year has been a very transitional year in, in that relationship between residents yeah. and teams. Um, because one, our residents are home more, they're interacting more, they're using mm -hmm. the amenities, their apartments, I mean, they're everything more. Um, and so those interactions where you may have only seen them when they moved in, maybe for a work order once or twice, and yeah. You're not seeing them weekly. And so um, we our site teams need to be trained in what we're able to offer. And they also need to be trained in how to communicate with residents because every single resident is different. Every single personality is different. It's the same when they're working with each other in the team. The personality is different. So when I talk to one manager a certain way, I might be very direct and no sugarcoating because that's the type of relationship I have. But I may have another that I have to tread very lightly with and be cautious of how I approach things or how I um, deliver or train information. It's the same thing with our residents. Um, yeah. We have to know and understand the conversations that we're having and, and what you want to get out of it. Mm -hmm. um, and that comes from what they want to get out of it and what we want to get out of it as well. Yeah. Which just presents a really interesting point because that's kind of why I reached out to you about being on the podcast we kind of talk about there is like a limit and we have gotten to a point where there's some like adversarial relationships between the site teams and the residents and it's really got it's starting to get out of hand mm -hmm. so when you kind of think about it besides like, the pandemic what else do you think is driving that um, you know, I think we've been pushed into a very different world this past year. Um, we didn't have nearly as much human interaction as we typically would have, at least I would say for the majority of folks. Um, conversations that used to be easy may be a little more different because you're not talking day in, day out. You're not going to your favorite restaurant. You're not going out to a movie. I mean, we can now, but we weren't for so long. And so it's almost like, I mean, I think for myself, we forget how to be in a public place. We forget how to be respectful. Yeah. Um, we just got so comfortable in a very different environment um, where we didn't have releases. I think that's the other piece of it. I think a lot of the frustration is if you're having a bad week at work, you could easily go um, meet up with friends, have a cocktail, wind down. 
We couldn't do that. We couldn't get the release. We were just at home doing nothing. We're working. I mean, my workload tripled, I would say, during this past year compared to what my position would usually require. And so there's just a lot of stressors that we weren't able to alleviate. And so I think I think that's Mm -hmm. where a lot of frustration is coming from. And you know, we for the first time, we usually make the decisions of how we run our community, what rules we have, what we're going to do. You know, you have local guidance, of course, of what's legal, what's illegal. So, you know, you set your standard that way. But then this year, on top of that, we had a lot of government involvement in restrictions that we had to put in place. Yeah. And I think that piece, because we are someone's home and it's very personal and it doesn't feel like a business, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of our residents forgot that. I think they forgot that some of these decisions were 100% out of our hands and we were just trying to make do with what we were able to. And that, of course, brought another layer of frustration because it's, why can't you? We want to do so. We're just as frustrated. Like, we absolutely want business as usual, but we can't do it either. And that even went into... Work orders. Um, you know, we could get to a work order the very next day before COVID. Now, I mean, we are you wearing a mask? Did you have any symptoms? Um, do you want us to be home? Can you be in the other room when we go in? Like all these safety precautions that were in place. And then, you know, a year later, now it's not necessarily the safety precautions, but it's materials, it's the labor, it's the short staffing. So now, even if I could get in there today to go look at your work order, I don't have the parts to fix it and I might not have it for a week because yeah. everything's delayed. And so then another level of frustration. So yeah. and that level of frustration just like adds onto the teams as things like go on. Like one thing everyone knows in the industry is that resident turnover is about like 50% per year, or typically on average. What a lot of people don't realize is I mean, I think most people know that there's also high turnover for staff, but it really edges around like 30%, which in most cases is double what you have in other industries. So I guess for you, like, what do you think drives that high turnover for staff uh, compared to like other industries? Yeah, I mean, it's a high stress industry. It doesn't appear to be from the outside in. And and to be honest, when I was a leasing agent back in the day, it wasn't high stress to me. I think... Um, back then, it was a very different relationship that we had with residents. There wasn't as much information at our fingertips um, as there is now as the consumer. And so um, right now, I think there's they can get almost every bit of information I can provide somebody, they can get online. And so they're empowered. They have the information. I, I respect that. I want a resident who is empowered. But at the same time, I also want them to understand that we're in the business because um, – you know, we're, we're your knowledge base. We're the people that know this business inside and out. And so even when you do come to us with, with all the knowledge that you're bringing, please know that we're the experts at our site and we want to work with you. We want to figure out how to meet in the middle, but there's a, there's usually a reason behind every single no that we give. Um, and so I, and I, so I think that's part of it. I think there was a sense of entitlement that has really come into this industry and that's really created the stressful, um, environment that is now our leasing offices, unfortunately. And, um, you know, if I'm in my work environment, I'm certainly not going to go to somebody and, and be upset and maybe raise my voice with them because you just know that you can't, that is not allowed in a work environment is unprofessional. You can't do it. However, we work in this industry. That's a very fine line. This is our residence home, but this is my place of business. 
So mm -hmm. I will never raise my voice to them. I will always keep the conversation professional. But I think there's a little bit lost in translation between where what comes from our residents um, when they're communicating to us because it is just personal to them. It is just their home. And yeah. um, there is an entitlement that my home should be my sanctuary. Um, and at the end of the day, that is truly what we want to provide. But we have to keep we have to find a level of professionalism. We have to find yeah. a level of respect and understanding that at the end of the day, um, you know, the more we work together, the further we're going to go. And that's what yeah. we're really trying to, to get back to. Um, that's what our, you know, our site teams are we're trying to figure out how do I communicate effectively? How do I get them the information they need before it escalates? How do I say no, but have them leaving feeling okay with that? No. Mm -hmm. um, and that's hard. That is, um, I mean, gosh, I can tell you when I was a leasing agent, I had no clue how to do that. You know, it's something you yeah. certainly learned over the years. And it's, I thought to your question about turnover, anybody who has started in this industry in the past year or two, um, it's a very different industry than it was three years ago, five years ago. Um, and it's, it's challenging. It's hard. So I think our turnover is related to no one wants to go to work and get yelled at. It's not fun. And so it's how do we protect our teams from that? How do we make sure they're prepared and ready to engage in these conversations um, and not leave at the end of the day just feeling beat up? Because I think yeah. some days we have that and it's it's really hard. And so um, I feel like I'm being a little long-winded now, but like with my, you know, with my teams at least and with my boss as well, um, we talk to our teams every single week. We have a standing call that we go through general items that are kind of on our radar. You know, we're asking for feedback. We're keeping this relationship going. And this was occurring before COVID, during COVID, it's happening after COVID. We're on video with them constantly because we want to see them. We want to check in. Um, you know, we go to our sites. We, we want to know everybody by name and, hey, how are you? How's life? What's mm -hmm. new? We get to know them on a personal level because I think yeah. – um, I think that's that's what I, I love about working for a mid-sized company is that I have the ability with the group of uh, portfolio size that I have mm -hmm. to give that focused attention. Um, if you start putting me up at the 8, 10, 12 properties, I can't give that. I can't support my, need, my teams the level of support that they actually need. So I'm lucky that Emory allows us to do that. Mm -hmm. So then do you see your role? So you've touched on a lot of really like interesting uh, aspects to really like helping the side teams. Mm -hmm. So it kind of sounds like at Embry or maybe your approach is in some ways you are almost like a therapist or a shoulder or like that listening ear to the side teams. Do you think corporate has that responsibility to be that? And that's the most effective way to really help the side teams and protect them from that abuse, protect them from that real stress that comes with being on the front lines? Um, I do. I think it's very much so um, our responsibility to be that person to our site teams. And I don't mean it in a sense that they need to be able to come to us and and invent or, you know, be upset like they would to a regular friend. I think there is a fine line because obviously I am their super, their supervisor. And yeah. so we have to keep that relationship. But at the same time, I don't know that I could manage my team effectively if they did not have the trust in me to know that they could come to me and just tell me, they're having an awful day and just kind of let it go, whether it's to get it off their chest where they actually need my help with something um, or they just need to get it off their chest so they can move on. Yeah. You know, it's very different how those conversations go. And so, you know, one of the things it's so funny to this day, every time I'm someone's supervisor, it's I know you're busy, but I know you're busy, but. And I'm like, no, I'm literally not busy. My job is who well, I am, but my job is 100 percent to support you. 
I am your support department. And then we have all these other support departments that, you know, maybe it's software support, maybe it's IT, maybe it's marketing. Um, so we have all these different departments because our worlds wouldn't, it, I mean, we wouldn't be successful without our site teams. And so we have to be that person for them. And what we also have to coach and guide them to have healthy conversations and healthy communication and healthy therapy sessions to make yeah. sure that, you know, that they, um, that it's respectful and that they're getting what they need out of it. And that we're, um, we're, uh, we're setting them to be successful in future conversations. So I think a lot of what I do, especially with newer managers that I have, is when you start going through the challenging things or they start getting exposure to the really rough days that we can have is, why don't you listen in on this conversation? Why don't you listen to how I'm talking to this resident and kind of the different words that I'm using? Or why don't I'm going to copy you on this email so that you can see how I'm going to respond to this, so that you can put this into place in the future. So we really do, um, we're big coaches in the moment. Um, it's not wait for your mid-year review, your annual review. It's yeah. let's coach in the moment when things are happening because then it's fresh and you can use it to the very next experience you're going to have. And honestly, that growth could be a day apart then rather than six months apart or a year yeah. apart when you're actually getting feedback. Yeah. So it sounds like an Ember, you guys do really like a lot to support the site teams. And that comes down to one, educating them on like how to respond, how to react to those like mm -hmm. difficult conversations or challenging situations that come up with residents. And then on the second hand, really being um, not necessarily a shoulder to lean on, but being mm -hmm. someone they can come to, to vent a little bit or help kind of get feedback for how you would have reacted. What other ways do you think corporate should really focus on supporting site teams and to really create a great uh, staff experience? You know, we're talking a lot about that um, as a company right now. We're trying to determine what is our what is our culture? What does it need to be? Mm -hmm. How is it changing? How is it shifted? How is it going to be moving forward as mm -hmm. as we grow as a company too and we become bigger? Um, because we, we hope to. You know, things are going to constantly evolve. Things are going to change, and we have to be you know prepared to do that. And in order to do that, you have to figure out what that culture is. What do you represent? Mm -hmm. When I'm interviewing, I can talk all day long about the skills of the job. I can say, this is what you're responsible for. This is what you do. And that's not going to get anybody excited. What's going to get yeah. them excited and make them want to work with us and make them have that genuine connection with me mm -hmm. is going to be, what is Embry going to do for me? Where do I fit in this Embry culture? Um, and we always joke because we send a lot of pizzas lately. It's like, okay, let's feed our team. Let's just feed our team. They are so busy. They can't go to lunch or they're trying to go to lunch, but they get five minutes and someone bugs them. So we send them yeah. pizza. Well, it's more than just pizza, you know, and I think it's, it's, we spend the time as a company to really acknowledge what they do. Um, I, one of my favorite things to do is when I get resident surveys, because reputation is everything right now. And we have mm -hmm. internal surveys, we have online reputation management when it comes to public reviews. If I see a review that comes in or a survey that comes in, you have to remember to celebrate the good because the people, mm -hmm. you don't, the good ones don't come very often. You get more of the bad ones yeah. because that's when someone's mad and they're the keyboard warrior. Yeah. Um, the good ones come from people who are very genuine, very heartfelt, and I love to share those. I'll share it with not only the entire team because leasing or service may not see that email, but your manager mm -hmm. will. I will I will share it with the entire team. I will call attention to who it's about. I will share it with our managing director, with um, our regional VP. I will put that information out there and I will celebrate mm -hmm. what you did and why why it was so great and how it's representative of what we do at Embry. Um, because I think that's really important to, to remind people how they're representing the company. Um, yeah. 
And so, hey, gosh, that was like, that was by the book, Resident Experience 101. And I love that you yeah. knew that. And look at the response that you got from the resident as because of what you did. Um, yeah. And I think it feels really good. I know, um, you know, sometimes being recognized can be a little nerve wracking for some folks if they try to fly under sure. the radar. So I think you need to know your audience again. You need to know who's yeah. going to be a little nervous about it. But I do think... Um, it's really important to celebrate the things they do and to celebrate it publicly because that recognition feels really good and it makes you want to do more. And it also is positive reinforcement for future behavior. Exactly. Um, yeah. So again, so it's not just about the pizza or the snacks or the events. It's about mm-hmm. the thank you. It's about the reputation, the recognition, um, you know, celebrate. And then of course, celebrating outside of work. I think that's the hardest thing that we really had this past year is we really couldn't even do team events. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what if we did, it was six feet apart and it's like, you're just, it doesn't feel yeah. right. And so, I mean, for instance, um, my, uh, my regional VP and I, who's also in Denver, um, we, we just make idiots of ourselves, to be honest. Uh, we love having a great time. So we dressed up as Elf on the Shelf in Christmas last year because we couldn't get our teams together. So we dressed up. We went property to property, made funny little videos, brought teams, you know, gifts and whatnot. And then we did the same thing for Cinco de Mayo. We dressed up as chips and salsa and oh brought everybody gosh. a little Cinco de Mayo. Yeah. And so it's like, we need to, we like to be on site with our teams. We like to make sure that, that they know that we care. Um, and we, we just try to think outside the box of how we get them together. Um, so I mean, we did trivia actually with you guys for the hall, our holiday party, we did holiday trivia with Flamingo. Um, and it was awesome. Our residents, our residents, our team loved it. Um, and we realized how competitive they all were. And so it's really something we need to do again. Um, so I think that's, I think that's what it is. It's getting everyone together in different capacities and, and making sure you're thinking big picture. Maybe it's your managers here and you know, your, your leasing here, your assistants here and then service over mm-hmm. here. Maybe it's everybody at the same time. Um, maybe it's lunch and learns, maybe it's additional training, but then it's also mm-hmm. fun that comes afterwards. Um, I think when we, it's very easy to feel like everything's focused on the manager because we do have the mm-hmm. most meetings with the manager because obviously they're your team leader when they're on site. Yeah. But one so thing where I mentioned that because that was actually going to be my next question yeah. is how do you balance that? Because a lot of times that interaction really is with the manager, but you have mm-hmm. the leasing, you have the maintenance, and they all get exposed to like different parts of the resident experience. So how do you really balance that to make sure that uh, the support you provide is really individualized to the challenges that they face. Because what maintenance faces very different than what uh, that system property manager might face than what the leasing might face. So how do you kind of segment the type of support that you provide to each of those roles? Um, you know, it is it is challenging. Just like you said, it's really hard um, because the focus does become on the manager quite a bit and they mm-hmm. relay the information. But that's why we have to get on the site. If I'm behind mm-hmm. my computer, if I'm on the phone, it's really hard to talk to everybody there. Mm-hmm. Um, if I am on the site, I can check in with each of them. I can say, hey, how's it going? Walk me through what you're doing here. How is this process going? If you're you know, a service manager, your make ready board is just mm-hmm. off the charts. Um, so that's what, that's what getting on site does for us. It allows us to really have those interactions and have that focus attention with each team member. And then another thing I do, um, that I really enjoy is that we, I I don't really, I mean, there's always a chain of command of, you know, who, who you go to do that task. Um, those lines are very blurred with Emory. I think there's a level of respect and understanding of 
when you should escalate it to different departments or different people. Um, but at the same time, I don't have a single service manager, service tech, leasing person mm-hmm. who, if they can't reach their manager, wouldn't pick up the phone and call me or shoot me a text message. Um, and I love that. I wouldn't change it for the world. I think it's extremely important that they know that I'm just because I'm regional, I'm not off limits. I am mm-hmm. here to help and support you in any way that I can. And so when we do, um, when we do like training programs or we try to do like the fun stuff and get people out of the office, um, we're part of that. It's not, okay, take your teams out and go do this with them. It's okay. Take your teams out. I'm coming too. Um, yeah. And, and that's really important. We want to be a part of it because we need that personal interaction with them to build that trust. Um, and sometimes those meetings are direct with those other departments. I know when we were preparing for that massive snowstorm that we had back in March or April in Denver, um, you know, we prepared the managers. We got on a call. We said, okay, here's all the things we're thinking of globally. Here's what we need to do. Here's our support system. If so-and-so can't be here, who can be here instead? So we did that to get a general outline. And then we followed up with a manager or manager with a call direct to the service team. Let's mm-hmm. talk to the service team because we want them to know that this isn't just direction coming from their managers. This is coming from your entire team. It's how do we work together? Do you have everyone's phone numbers? Do you have resources? Do you need me to show up? Who has four wheel drive? You know, and so we, it was really important for them to see how we work together and the type of support mm-hmm. that we want to offer. Um, because I, that is, you don't get that with every company. And yeah. it's really depending on the company size and what, how many properties you have in area, different locations, it's hard to do. And so it can't be expected of every company at the same time, but it's certainly something that I make um, necessary for anybody that I work with. I yeah. have able to do that and be present and interact with my team regularly. Yeah. And then prior to this, you touched on a really important point about how important like reputation is, how important it is to do those surveys to kind of gauge resident satisfaction, resident experience. How do you think it makes sense to do the same thing for staff as well too? And if so, like how do you currently measure like staff experience? How do you know you guys are doing a kick-ass job versus you know, it, it's hard because I think on staff surveys, you know, we don't we don't do it enough. Um, we really don't ask. We try to ask for feedback, but it doesn't always happen. Or, um, you know, people are kind of can be scared to give feedback. But I I encourage the same feedback I would encourage from a resident in that um, it needs it, it should be a story. It should be maybe it was good, maybe it was bad, but how did we work through it, and what was the end result? I think that says a lot more than this was terrible or this was great. I need to know everything in between. And so when it comes to how we gather feedback from our our associates and the people that work with us, um, I mean, one, that's why we stay very well connected and we try to have those conversations and we say, okay, here's the new policy. What do you think about this? Um, Think this through. Do you see any holes in it? Do you need to make any changes? What's going on? So we ask for it in the moment, always. Um, We are hopefully bringing back exit interviews. I think exit interviews can be very important. Obviously, you have to, you know, take information with a grain of salt because someone who had a very bad experience with the company is is going to share that very bad experience. And you have to be prepared to take the tough feedback and also be able to understand Okay, did I know about any of this? Did they take the time to let me know they were struggling? Did they take the time to tell me what was going on? And then on the flip side, did I take the time? Did I take the time to go see them and ask and check in regardless of what was going on with the property? Um, I think it's very easy to only reach out when you hear there's a problem and rather than just reach out to say hi. So I think um, we do ask for a lot of feedback in the moment. We do ask what our team wants to do. We ask 
how they can integrate or implement new things that come to the table. Um, we ask them to volunteer ideas and see and share with the group. Um, we use Teams chat all the time. We have group chat for our um, Colorado and Arizona team. So it's you, you're constantly talking to your teammates. You're constantly involved and you're getting um, information and perspective. And I think that's one thing we do a very good job of encouraging. Um, because not everybody wants to just fill out a survey. So surveys can yeah. be, it can be important. I mean, we certainly do it to do like, you know, the best places to work. Um, mm-hmm. You can do exit surveys. Um, there actually, there's one we're working on. It's an onboarding survey to kind of talk about how the onboarding experience went, because that's another piece of it. That's how you, if someone has a bad first day, they're yeah. never going to forget that. And so that yeah. your company culture starts the moment you interview them. And then it just keeps growing like the resident life cycle does. And so I think, having those touch points and getting the feedback of where we miss and what we could do better. Um, and I don't want to say catering everything to the site teams, but understanding the struggles our site teams have and how we can use their feedback to simplify. We're not always going to be able to make things easy for them, but what we can do is we can listen to them and we can try to implement where we can, or if it's site specific, they can implement. Um, yeah. I think a joke. I'm like, as long as you don't break any laws, Go for it. Like, don't break any laws. Follow the landlord-tenant rules. And I don't care what you do as long as yeah. it's for the right reasons. Um, and I think that's a very important thing. We, we have to allow um, – we, we have to trust our teams. If we don't trust our teams, we hire the wrong people. And yeah. so we have to trust them to know what the right thing is to do and to involve us when they need to involve us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I think, so I think what it is, we constantly are just asking for feedback all the time. Yeah. So and then I guess this is like the million dollar question. Uh, what comes first, staff experience or resident experience? Um, I'm actually going to quote Richard Branson on this one. If you take care of your people, they'll take care of everything else. Um, obviously, loose quotation, but it's true. If I have, um, I, you know, I have a manager I spoke to a couple weeks ago and her property is busy. Um, it is busy. It's just finishing up a lease up. Um, they're just hitting 95 last week, actually. And so with that, it is chaotic. Um, it's awesome. It took us forever to get there because of everything that happened, but she's busy. Um, and with that, she's training new team members or she's um, more residents are home and they're coming in with questions, concerns. How are we managing this? How are we managing that? And, um, you know, so we, we had a conversation and I could hear it in her voice. I could hear just she's she's hitting the, hitting the wall. She's hitting her limit, you know, and it's, it's heartbreaking when you hear that because then you start mm-hmm. thinking, OK, wait what I miss, what could I have done? How do I support you better? What can I take off your plate? Um, you know, and so part of that conversation, it really went into, okay, what are you working on that? You know, that's mm-hmm. keeping you here at all hours of the night. What can I take from you? How do I get it off your plate? Because that's mm-hmm. why I'm here to support you. And so we start running through the list and starting to break things down. And I think she needed that. She needed that release and she needed to know that I will reorganize my entire day if it makes your day better because yeah. you are the front lines for me. If you're not in a good place, then your team is going to feel that you're not in a good place. If your team doesn't feel you're in a good place, it just, it snowballs down. And so I think it's really important for us to, to regularly communicate to where we catch these things before it gets too late, because Mm -hmm. if we don't take care of our teams, they're not going to take care of our residents. Um, you know, I always, I always say that, you know, if I'm having a bad, like residents will get to me and they'll call me as well. And I'm absolutely here to have conversations with them. But if I'm having a bad day, 
I will not take a phone call that day. I will reach out. I got your message. Let me schedule you for tomorrow when I have time. And it's because I need to be in the right headspace to have a professional, helpful conversation with them. And that's what we do with our our, um, employees a lot too. Let's not talk about this today because I know you're really frustrated. Let's deal Mm -hmm. with the pieces of it, but then let's talk later today or tomorrow once you've had a time to kind of process it and let's Mm -hmm. see how we can prevent it from happening again. And so um, I think it is 100% taking care of your team first and they're going to take care of everything else because they can. If you don't take care of your team, they're not going to be able to take care of your residents. It's just so incredibly important to have the right people. It's so simple. And I love that. I think um, a lot of people make that mistake of focusing so much on the resident experience and then just completely neglecting the staff experience. So yeah. can you pass a million dollar question? It's a lot of Yeah, no, it's really true. And, you know, one other thing I learned over the years is, you know, I was I always say when I was raised as a leasing agent, I was working for a company that was very black and white. You know, we used mm-hmm. the National Apartment Association lease. Whatever the lease said is what we did. And it was fine. Now were my conversations tougher back then because it was, nope, this is what the lease said. And I had to quote directly from it. And no one likes that. It doesn't feel personal. Um, and so one thing I probably learned, I would say really in the last three to five years, is that every situation truly is unique with your residents, with your team. And it's understanding how you can make the best of that unique situation. Yeah. As long as you don't break any laws, because yeah. I think that, you know we depend on fair housing quite a bit. We can't do this because of fair housing. We can't do that yeah. because of fair housing. But what can we do with fair housing sitting over here to the side watching us like a hawk? You know how? Yeah. What can we do? How do you be solution oriented from both the resident side and from the you know associate side? Um, yeah. So I think it's really important when you're working with everybody is you need to go into these conversations and go into these interactions with mm-hmm. what are you trying to get out of it? Not just you personally but the person you're interacting with. What do they need to get out of it? What's that end goal? Um, because that's, and that's where we really can provide the customer service. And that's where I think Emory can stand out is that we, um, you're not just the same person just because you live in you know, our apartment complex. Every single person is different. And we need to understand that every single person is different and cater that experience to them um, to give them the best of what we can offer. Um, and then that's where you develop that reputation of, oh, I can live in an Emory community. They're going to take care of me. So, yeah. and that feels really good to get to that point. And I love that. Um, so thank you so much, Amy. I have definitely learned a lot from uh, your perspective on staff and resident experience as a whole. And I think this was super valuable for the audience. Thank you. Yeah, no, I'm excited to share, obviously. It's clearly you follow my LinkedIn. So, you know, my people is something I'm very passionate about. Um, And it's why I'm in this industry, because I I love the people I work with and I love what I get to do. And if I... I don't know what else I would do if I didn't fall into this industry. So it was probably the only thing I ever did in my life. Yeah, no, that was just like stuck stuck out to me. Because I think uh, the staff experience and just like really trying to create an environment where there isn't this like constant like conflict between staff and residents just creates like a much better environment and i really do hope uh the industry like gets back to that i think the pandemic kind of made everyone go a little bit crazy right we're never going to be what we used to be but you know i think if we really take the feedback and and take all the things we transitioned and changed throughout i think it can be better i really do i think it can be better and i just it's gonna it takes hard work to make things easier down the road. Yeah. And so we just have to be willing to put that work in. And again, having the right people on your side to, to do it with you. Yeah, I love that. And yeah, no, I really 
don't think a lot of properties would say, hey, the staff experience comes first. So I love, just absolutely love it that you guys said that. It really does matter. Uh, it does. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. But yeah, thank you for having me. I've never done a podcast. It's very exciting to be a part oh, of this awesome. and kind of speak my mind about what I do. Thank you. Yeah, awesome. You know, thank you for being on. Thank you.